The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Let's keep popping, 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 let's keep popping. Amen. Just let's be seated. Amen. I'm glad to be here today, and I believe that um, God wants me to be here today. Amen. Um, because I believe things just don't happen. I believe that from the foundations of the world, God has ordained that I will be here today. Amen. And I also want to commend your pastor, Pastor Fabian, and for the work that he's doing. We are proud of him. We are believing in the Lord that. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, not yet entered into the hearts of men what God will do for God's favorite church. Amen? In the mighty name. And so we honor him and all the people in the leadership because we know this work cannot be done without the support. Amen? And people don't know what it is to come here every Sunday and give a new word and say something that will bless you. And there is a way we get comfortable with the pastor. So yeah, we, we know he's going to preach another good sermon. But preaching a good sermon or ministering for what will affect your life, like the testimonies that people gave, it takes a lot on the individual that people don't know. So let's this morning celebrate the pastor Femi Monaini. Don't celebrate your pastor sitting down. Amen. Celebrate your pastor, amen. amen. The truth is that it takes a lot on a pastor. You understand? It takes a lot on the family, it takes a lot on his mind, his heart, his body, and everything. Because everybody comes and dumps their problem on the pastor. Then we wonder who he dumps his problem on. Amen. Let's echo our pastor one more time. Amen. Father Lord, as we share these few words, we share it unto life and understanding. Let it not be the words of man. Let it be your, mind, your voice. Let me be your oracle today. Let the people not say they have had a good sermon. Let them be able to say you have spoken to them. This is our prayer. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's be seated. I want to share a message. Uh, because it's the beginning of the year. And also because, you know, I'm also a local church pastor like this. And so I want to share a word that I believe will complement what your pastor has also been saying. Uh, some of the things I will say, of course, 
your pastor will have said it to you before. And so I'm just reinforcing the work that he's doing in this place. But one thing I can tell you is this. If you understand what I want to say today, you are guaranteed to get to the top. Only five people want to get to the top. You know, I don't like when I go to church, people are quiet. You understand? I don't mean you're going, not going to, you don't have to be shouting, running around. But, you know, because of my African background, I know that it is possible for people to be in a church fiscally and not also be there. They can be flying around in the Kalari Desert, in the Sahara Desert, in Gobi Desert. And so I feel very uncomfortable when I come to church. You say, say hallelujah, they can't say hallelujah. Say amen, they can't say amen. I feel very uncomfortable. And since we don't have the benefit to check your handpits, whether you have feathers or hair, the only way we will know today is your ability to say praise the Lord or say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And if somebody is sitting next to you, is not saying hallelujah, you better carry your bag and leave because it might end up sitting on your head. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. I, I guess you know what I'm talking about. When people fly all over the place. John 5.30. John chapter 5, verse 30. I might not be able to read a lot of passages I would like to read because of time. I will put the, give you the Bible passage. Some of them I will just talk about it. And then you can go and, home and study more. By myself, alright, let me read the New King James Version. Or the King James Version of John 5, 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who has sent me. John 5 verse 13. I can guarantee you that if you understand what I want to say today, the issue of whether you will make it in life or not is not dependable. You will get to the top. With this passage, so I want you to mark the passage. And I'm going to say a little bit about it. Go home, meditate upon it. It is a guaranteed success verse. Guaranteed. Not that I think. I know. You know why? The people from the northern part of this country, when you ask them to use the medication, they ask you, have you used it before? Has it worked for you? Or do you know someone who has used it and it has worked for? I stand here to say the two I know. It has worked for me. I know people it has worked for. John chapter 5. And why do I say this? I believe that you know, this statement was made by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he said, you want to know the secret of my success? This is the secret to my success. Life itself presents us with choices. And our choices shape our lives. Our choices shape our destiny. In actual fact, we are product of our choices. Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. He says this, he says, I have said before you life and death. He says, choose life. And your choice you are going to make 
will not only affect you, but it will affect your children. And so, our life life presents us with choices. The choices we make just makes all of the difference. Paul in, uh, in, in Romans 17, 19, the way I, I paraphrase by saying, I keep making the wrong choices. What I want to do, that's not what I do. I, I keep making wrong choices. And so life is about the choice we make. You know, every Sunday, you know, I was talking to your pastor yesterday, and he said, you know, he's a teacher and everything. You, he can come here and teach you. You have a choice to receive what he has said. And make use of it. You have a choice to believe. You have a choice to disbelieve. And then when you think about a lot of things, life is about the choices we make. I'm going somewhere you don't have an idea where I'm going. Proverbs 14, 12. Let me read this one. I, I, want, I want to read a couple of ones and um, I'll quickly move on. Look, look at uh, Proverbs 14, 12. I like this one a lot. Do, do, do you have it on the screen? All right, you people have your Bible here. That's very good. In my church, most people don't bring in the Bible. They depend on the screen. Amen. So we, we put it on the screen for them because they are not going to go back and check. But anyway, listen to what the Bible says here in Proverbs fourteen twelve. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Amazing. This passage is, is, is something else. It says there's a way that seems right to a man. And that means that to man, it looks like the right thing to do. But guess what it says? It says, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But before the man embarked on that journey, it seems right to him. But it says the way of death. So our choices can lead us to death. Death does not only mean physical death. But our choices can let things not happen to us. And so we say, but I keep praying, I keep doing this thing, I keep fasting. No, 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 that means you also have to watch your choices. Because choices makes a lot of difference in life. Proverbs 19.21, which is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. These two passages I read, I like them. I can preach them a whole month. I'm not saying the same thing, trust me. Listen to this one. He says, there are many plans in the man's heart. Nevertheless, it is God's counsel that will stand. Listen to this. I like this passage. He says, many are the plans in the man's heart. But nevertheless, it's the Lord's counsel. The, uh, the new king just says, it's God's purpose that will prevail. Kai. He says, listen, listen, I want, I want this to sink into you. There are many plans in a man's heart. That is, many things present things to a man. But it is the purpose of God that will prevail. If it is the purpose of God that will prevail, why don't we ask God for what is your purpose? So that we don't go on a five-year journey and ask ourselves, but this is not what I want to do. Since it is God's purpose that will prevail eventually. Are you following me? I want you to follow me today. Please follow me. Listen to me. I went to university. I studied a course I didn't like. After I left university four years, 
with thousands of naira, I found that I went on a journey of four years that I didn't like. Many people are sitting here today, you went to college, you went to university, but you just wanted to go to school. You end up hating the course. You end up not even wanting to use the course or the career. So instead of you, before you embark on that career, on that course, why don't you ask God that, God, what should I do? Many people make choices because of people, because of their parents. They make choices because they say, let me send a message that I can do this, and let me impress somebody, and all of those things. But it says that, you know, all of those things don't decide what will happen to you. What will decide what is happening to you is the purpose of God. So, we need to wake up every morning and ask God, what's your purpose for my life? What will you have me do? What should I do today? What choices do I make today? Because, listen to what it says there, many other plans that the man said, that his life presents many plans, many choices. But since it's the choice of God that will prevail, why don't we go after God's choice, not our own choice? I'm going somewhere today. You don't even know where. You know, Proverbs 36 said something. It says, commit all your ways unto him and he will direct your path. Commit all your ways. Not some, all your ways. And then he will direct your path. He will direct your path to greatness. He will direct your path to his own promise, to his own way, to what he knows will prevail. So, choices in life are so important. And we keep ignoring it. I'm going somewhere. You know, uh, Psalm 33 verse 11 says, Is the counsel of the Lord that we stand. Is what God says that will stand. So instead of me making a choice that will not stand, why don't I ask, what is your counsel, Lord? Since that was what will stand, every other thing will fall like a pack of cards. And that's why we find out that at times it says, God is not answering our prayer. Listen to me. Listen to me very clearly. You cannot order a food that you want and you push the bill to God to pay for you. You will get that tomorrow morning. You cannot order what you want due to your own selfish interest, due to your own idiosyncrasies, and then you ask God to put his blessing on what he does not want for you. God will bless that which is his own purpose. That's why at times it seems some people just would make it. You know why? It's not that they make it. It's just that what they are doing, they keyed in into what God will bless. And so some people struggle. Some people, it works for them. So it's important for us as believers this year that we say, God, what is in your mind? Because what is in God's mind, there is nothing that, there is no force on earth that can stop what's in God's mind. No force on earth. It takes me to our passage today. John chapter 5, verse 30. This statement was made by somebody called Jesus Christ. Who is the creator of the heart? The Bible even says that he created the world for his own pleasure. It's in him who move. It's in him we have our very being. But look at the statement that he said. He said, I cannot of myself do nothing. Maybe uh, you understand what I'm trying to say with this now. Pastor, he said, I can't do anything. 
yet he created the whole world. That doesn't seem to make sense. He says, I can't do anything. But yet he's the creator of the heaven and earth. That means he's teaching you and me a lesson in this place. And then the next thing he said, look at this text. And he says, look at this text. I can of my own self do nothing. As I what? Please, I want you to say it one more time. It didn't say as I feel. It didn't say as according to my hunger. It didn't say according to my envy. It didn't say according to the way I woke up this morning. It said something critical there as I hear. But let's look at the person who said this. He created everything for his pleasure. But yet, he came to a position to say, I can of my own self do nothing. Philippians 2 verse 5. We know this text. I'm going somewhere today. You don't even have an idea. Let's see. Listen to what he said. Paul said. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in what? Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. So when he was in the likeness of men, like you and me, he came to a position where though is God, but now he's in the likeness of men. And Paul is saying, let this mind, that is, think like this. Think like this. Process things like this. Let this mind be in you as it was in him. Listen to what he says. He made himself of no reputation. That's very key. That he, he, he didn't come to this world and says, I am God. I know what to do. He emptied himself so that he can be filled up. We want reputation. But he is saying, I have the reputation before I came here, but I'm ready to lay down the reputation here on earth. Are you following me today? Follow me. I'm taking you somewhere. You don't know where I'm going now. He says, and being found in appearance as a man. That's very good, critical. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And it now says, therefore God also has highly exalted him. That means that the way to be exalted is first to empty yourself and let God fill you up. That is, you forget your pedigree. You forget your achievement on a daily basis. You empty yourself. Because if you are filled up, there is nothing for God to add to you. No wonder John said it like this. I must decrease, he must increase. That is, I must continue to go down, and he must continue. And the I there means your flesh, your will, what you want, your emotions must continue to go down, and then we want to take the will of the Father inside of us. We want to take God's way of saying things, God's emotional balance and everything. That's what we want to have. It's amazing that he that had everything humbled himself. We want reputation, we want cars, we want houses, we want to think, we want people to think we are somebody. We want to go after titles 
And if they don't address us by our titles, we are angry and everything. But the one who had all the titles humbled himself of no reputation. Now, it is now possible for God to fill him up. Humility is a continuous emptying of ourselves and of our achievements, of our success, of our know-hows, of our family background, of our pedigree, of our knowledge. And that's when God can fill us up. And so Jesus said this one. I'm taking the second turn. I can of my own self do nothing. Then he went on to say, as I hear. Everybody say, as I hear. Please, can you say it again? You know, listen, it says, not as I feel. Not as I think. Not as I see. But as I hear. Not according to my annoyance. Not according to my attitude. Or the way I used to do it before. As I hear. Not as I feel. I know I'm repeating this. Because it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the foundation for everything I want to build on today. As I hear. Listen. Jesus said, as I hear. Not as I feel. We make our choices by our feelings. We make our choices by what we see. We make our choices based upon our background. But as a believer, you can make choices based upon those things. It's as you hear God, that's how you make your choices. And so every one of us, we must develop our hearing abilities. Most people say, I, can't, I don't know how to hear God, but everybody hears the devil. And you've never seen the devil. You've never seen God. Both of them speak in the spirit. How come you can hear the devil? People say, oh, pastor, the devil said I'm going to die. The devil said this one. The devil said this one. If you can hear the devil, it tells me you can hear God. You can hear God. I'm going to say this to you. The reason why we hear the devil more than the way we hear God is because we have developed our flesh more than our spiritual. So the flesh is easy to pick up the devil, the spirit man is so small, he cannot pick up what God is saying. The key to your success is the ability to hear God. The key to your success, the key to stop laboring, the key to have it together is the ability to hear God. And you know, from time, everybody has always gone to oracles. They've always gone to someone because people want to know the mind of God because they know that if they know the mind of God and they do it, their life will be successful. That's why people go to oracles. And it's the same thing today. That's why a lot of people gather around and they want to hear the man of God. They want to hear what is God saying because they can hear. Well, listen to me. When, God, when Jesus Christ died, the curtain was torn. Every one of us have access unto him. Everybody. It's not only the high priest. In natural fact, there's no human being who is a high priest again. There's only one high priest. His name is Jesus. And so every one of us have the ability to hear God. And this is how it starts. It's just the way when we get born, when we have children, you first start to talk to them in, in audible words, you know, and all of those things. But the more they grow, the more they hear what you are saying. It's the same principle. You can't stay out of the word of God and hear God. God speaks through his word. There's not going to be another Bible. 
And so his word is right there in front of you, in that Bible that you carry all over the place. So he speaks through his word. So he said, as I hear, not as I feel. <laughs> so you must develop your hearing capability. Let's look at the choices of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at how he made his choices. He wanted to pick his disciples. And he had a great message to save the world. And then, don't forget, I'm talking as I hear. Let's look at how he made the choices of his disciples. He picked two brothers who were fishermen. <laughs> he picked Matthew, who was a tax collector. He picked Thomas, who is a doubter. He picked different people. Listen, it's as I hear, not as I feel. Because when he started picking fishermen, people would think he wanted to start a fishing business. Then he started picking brothers. Then people are going to say, wait a minute, is this a family business? But it's not about how people feel. It's not about how people see it. It's as I hear. In actual fact, this is what Jesus Christ put it. He said, none of the people that he picked was a mistake. He says, even Judas that was picked was not a mistake. So he passes one, he picks the other. Are you listening to me? Because it's not as he felt. Because someone who wants to do a great thing must have said, you know, we need financial analysts to be able to, uh, you know, uh, put this whole thing together because of what we want to do. We need uh, uh, someone who is a, a cartographer, someone who is going to map out and do all of those things about how well we want to evangelize and all of those things. We need an economics who is going to put down the, finan uh, the financial account and all of those things. You know, the kind of things you would think that people will pick, he did it. Because it's not how you feel. It's not how you know. We make a lot of mistakes because of what we think we know. But God doesn't work like that. It's as we hear. We say his message I knew every day. He speaks every day. Every day. Because that presents choices to us every day. And so you must hear him daily. He saw a blind man. He said, receive your sight. He saw another one. He spat on his face. He saw another one. He made a clay. He didn't do the same miracle twice. Because it's not how he felt. He can't say, oh, yesterday I said receive your sight. And then he received it. No, today he says, no. It's as I hear. And so you have success in your life as you hear. And he may declare to us, you hear a word from behind that will tell you and give you direction of where you have to go. God is always speaking. Always speaking to us. He wants us to know his mind. Let me tell you this. It is not in everyone's interest when his children are making mistakes. It doesn't glorify God when we are making mistakes. <clears throat> and so, it's not as I feel, it's as I hear. Let's look at the text again. Then the next thing he said is, my judgment. Let's look at John 5. He says, as I hear, look at the next thing he said, what? What did he say, please? I judge. As I hear, I judge. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? 
As I hear, I make choices. Judging is between two or more things. So, as I hear, choices present themselves. As I hear, I make choices. That's what he said. As I hear, I do what? I judge. Not as I feel, but as I hear. And so, I make choices as I hear. And then the next thing is said, which is very important, is that my judgment is another translation says always right. Because as I hear, life presents choices, I know the one to pick, and the choice I make is always right. Not all the, not some of the time, always. So Jesus is saying, I eat the bull's highs all the time. Not some of the time. I make the right choice all the time. Not because of the way I feel, but the way I hear. Many of us make choices to make statements to people. That they, ah, I have to show this person. Now, you go and make choice because you want to show somebody and God is not in it. And then you are wondering, and you stay at night vigil, praying and praying on what is not God's choice. And you expect why prayers are not answered. It's as I hear. I make choices. My choices is always right. Jesus is saying, this is the key to my success. That's why I, I, I make choices about my disciples. And all my disciples are right. That's why I make choices about all the people that are healed. That's why all of them are healed. To some, Talita Kumi. To some, carry your bed. To some, this one. To some, that one. He did it in different ways. Saw so a, a, a leper, he said, be cleansed. They didn't even come close to him, the ten lepers. He saw another leper, he touched him. As I hear, I make choices. And my choice is always right. Always right. Let me tell you this. I've seen people make choices out of hunger. And they expect that God will bless it. I've seen people make choice out of envy of people. They go and buy cars that they cannot afford. They go and buy houses they cannot afford to, uh, they go and rent houses they cannot afford because they want to live in a neighborhood that God has not taken them to. And then, so every year you are stressed out. Every day you are stressed out based upon your choices. Let me tell you this, everything that God calls for, everything that God orders, he pays for. Anything. I do not know that if God has ordered it, he will pay for it. If he has not ordered it, if you order it, he will push it to you. You pay for it. You made the order without me, you pay for it. And then you are struggling in life. Jesus Christ said, as I hear, I make choices, I judge. My judgment is always just. Always right. Because it's not about me. Listen to the next thing he said. He says, because I seek not my own will. I seek not my own will. Everybody says, I seek not my own will. What he's saying is that I submit my own will to God. Because why? I see my weakness and I see my limitation. I seek not my own will. Please, this year, don't seek your will. Because we have made Christianity as if it's difficult. Christ didn't die for this pain we go through. Christ didn't die for this suffering we go through. 
there is something missing. There's something missing. And that's why I've come to tell you today, this is what is missing. He said, I seek not my own will. That's so profound. We seek our will. We seek what is convenient for us. He said, I don't seek my will. Listen, Jesus Christ came to the temple at age 12. Listen to this classic example. Age 12, the Bible says he stood up there and spoke. After he finished speaking, the professors, the learned people, all of them, they were amazed at his teaching. I can imagine that after that thing, people started giving him cards, invitation cards. They started giving him their, 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 their business card and all of those things. Come preach for us. Come do this for us. Come do this at age 12. I seek not my own will. We didn't hear anything about him again until he was 30. 18 years in the hiatus of life. 18 years. Can you imagine? Not knowing exactly when the Holy Spirit was going to say it is time. He waited 18 years after age 12 that he was put on the public stage. Ah, you get what I just said tomorrow. Can you imagine that for 18 years you have waited for when the Holy Spirit will say it is time. After age 12 and when people have celebrated you to go back into oblivion and be waiting go back to that capitals workshop and I can imagine him at the capitals workshop and he's saying that he's, he's the savior, he's the messiah. The people say, I beg. You? <laughs> Better finish that thing you are doing. What's wrong with you? Better go and deliver that chair. It was in the capitals workshop. But yet, it was the messiah of the world. And then, because it's not about him. Why do I say that? Look at the next thing he said. I seek not my own will but the will of the Father who have sent me. We seek our own will a lot of times. We do whatever we feel we should do. Can you really pass the submission test? When the love of God constrains us, you know, let me read this one for you. My favorite passage in the Bible. Interestingly. Second Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 14. I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Listen to what the Bible says in this one. It says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Another translation says, for the love of Christ compels us. Please, can you say this after me? For the love of Christ compels us. For the love of Christ compels us. Listen to this. For the love that we have towards him. For the love that he has towards us. For the love that we have towards him. For the love that he has towards us. It compels us. It constrains us. Listen. Listen. It's like a horse that wants to go and the jockey or the rider pulls its back. He wants to go, but he pulls it back. For the love that we have for God must always constrain us from doing the wrong thing. For the love that he has for us must always constrain us from doing, for doing the right thing. 
So it's not about our own will. So we struggle with it. You want to do this, but you say the love of God pulls me back. This is the way I feel. The love of God pulls me back. I am hungry of this person. The love of God pulls me back. I am envious of this person. The love of God pulls me back. I can forgive this person. The love of God pulls you back. It pulls you back to what it believes this is what you should do as a child of God. It constrains us. Listen to me. Every man or woman that lives a life without the constraints of God will always end up in disaster. One of the problems of Samson, he had all the strength, but he didn't have constraint. He had wrong things were attractive to Samson. And that's how he lost his eyes. Eyes means vision. You will always lose your vision in life and terminate your life early when you live a life without constraint. And you live a life without being compelled by God. It's difficult. But you said, you know what? For the love of God constrains me. I will have given you what you deserve, but the love of God holds me back. The love of God must always hold us back. The love we have for him, the love he has to, for us. Must always hold us back in life. So the choices you make, they bring you um, bribe. You want to touch the thing, the love of God constrains you. Compels you not to touch it. You want to abuse somebody in traffic? The love of God constrains you from doing what you want to do. You want to, be, you want to abuse your wife? The love of God what? constrains you. It compels you. And let me tell you this. When we seek our own will, the love of God cannot compel us. The love of God can't. But when we say we are sent, it's different. <laughs> oh God listen to me there are those who are sent there are those who went so those who are sent strength grace goes with them for those who went they went in their own strength you get that one when you wake up tomorrow morning listen when you are sent, resources is always sent with you. When you lack, they say, we sent him. It's like a, it's an ambassador, like an ambassador. And don't forget, that's what we are here on earth. We are Christ's ambassador here on earth. And so when resources deplete, or we run out of resources, guess what they will do? They will refresh us. But if you, those who went, you have to depend upon your own ability. And so Jesus said something very profound here. I can of my own self do nothing. As they direct me from heaven, I do. And it is what they say that I do, and what I do is always right. Why? Because, listen to me, God sees the 360. God sees 360. We only see an angle 90. That's all we see. God sees the total picture. But we see just one side of it. The way I'm going to put it is that God sees around the bend. Man's eyes cannot see around the bend. And because he sees around the bend, he guides you today so that you can achieve what he wants for you tomorrow. So how does that happen? By speaking to you. By not by your own will. So you're asking God, God, what should I do on this matter? 
And listen to me. How you will always know is what I just read to you in 2 Corinthians. Because you suddenly find out that the way you feel is not the way heaven feels. But it compels you to do the right thing. Let me tell you this. We live in flesh. It speaks in the spirit. The spirit and the flesh are always at war. And because they're always at war. And let me tell you, this, one of the ways you will know the litmus test is you will find out that what God has asked you to do is always difficult. It's always difficult. That's one of the ways you know. You say, God, ah, but this is not what I want to do. He says, I know it's not what you want to do, but that's what you should do. Because it constrains you. It compels you. It forces you to do the right thing because of your tomorrow. Before you were born, I knew you. He said, I'm the one who has ordained you, anointed you, empowered you. But he has empowered you for a purpose. The way Paul said it in Galatians 2, is a, uh, Galatians 2, I think verse 21, the way he said it is this. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God upon me. Do you know how you frustrate the grace of God? You frustrate the grace of God by you doing it by your own will, by your own flesh. The way he said it is that he says because the law of righteousness. So I'm keeping the law. I feel I can do this by myself. I can't do no, 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 no. He says it is the grace that is given to you, and this grace is given to you is based upon the knowledge of He, you that He knows. Because you have an expected end, you don't know that expected end. He knows the expected end, and so He alone can guide you to that expected end. And you can never get to God's expedited by your own will. You can never. So, we are praying, God, there's an expected day. There's an expected day. But then you should be saying, God, what's your will? You should be saying, God, what are you saying? And please, don't say because he said this this way yesterday. That's the way he's going to say it today. Those who will work with him in success, they must be ready to continuously empty themselves and have no reputation. No reputation. Because our reputation affects our thinking and our walking with God. And that's why I read Philippians to you. He emptied himself of no reputation. And then God now exalted him. Listen to me. The man that God exalts, no man can bring down. The man that man exalts, God can bring down. You'll get that one later. But listen to what happened. You know, I tell people, it, it, the way the Bible says, humble yourself. So when you're praying God, humble me, it's a wrong prayer. It says, humble yourself. Because if God will humble you, he will humiliate you like Nebuchadnezzar. I'm telling you, like Nebuchadnezzar. He went to the University of Animal Kingdom for seven years. That's what's going to happen. So it's you that you make up your mind. It's you that you will make up your mind. He says, humble yourself. If God humbles you, it's, humi it's, it's, it will, it's, humili um, it's humiliation. So because he wants you to do it. If you want him to force you to do it, if you if want him to do it for you, it's not always pleasant. Go and look, try the Bible. He said this, brothers and sisters, I can of my own self do as I hear, I judge. My judgment is always what? Right. It's always right. It's always just. Because I do not seek my own will. But the will of the Father who 
have sent. When you are sent, you don't run another man's race and take it the last call. When you are sent, you don't run another man's race. Don't say this one more time. When you are sent, you don't run another man's race. Many people run other people's race. When you run other people's race, you are out of breath. When you run other people's race, you get tired. There's a guy I like a lot. His name is Usain Bolt. The guy can run. He runs 100 meters in an amazing way. He cannot run a marathon like that. He will be out of breath. Are you following me? He will be tired. A lot of Christians are out of breath because they are running other people's race. They say, my friend is doing very well selling this. I'm going to go and open the shop and sell it. No, as believers, it's as I hear, not as I see. Not as I feel. Not the way I woke up. Not according to my personal idiosyncrasies. No. It's as I hear. My friend is doing this. I also want to go and do it. As I hear. There's nothing wrong in you doing what your friend is doing, but you must know that that's what God wants for you. You're trying to force the hand of God. God is saying, you are too small to force my hand. You can't force my hand. You go and do what I have told you to do. Let me say this. God knows the business that will work in the next five years. Why don't you ask him? Today, when you start it, people will be saying, it doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this business? He said, don't worry. I'm doing this business as I had. Not as I feel. If it's the way I feel, I will not sit down here. But it's not about my feeling. It's about what he has said to me. Because what he has said to me, is what will eventually happen. Many other plans in the man's heart. It's God's purpose that will prevail. So let us seek that which will prevail. So you start the business. Five years, in, in five years, it does very well. After that, the business stops doing well. Then you start at vigil, uh, crying, fasting. Say, God, what's going on? This business was doing well. He said, did I send you? I didn't send you. It was your will. If you went, go sort it out. Listen, I'm telling you, no one, taught, no one told me about this passage. God spoke to me for my own life for this passage. Let me tell you this. Some years ago, uh, there was a property I wanted to invest in. And so I paid money because we were going to do, they call it flipping. That is, you buy it uh, off plan. And after, when they, they complete the building, you sell it. And so I did this I put down $10,000 in the United States. Then, we were supposed to put down twenty-five. After some time, they asked us to put down fifteen. God told me, don't put it, the, the balance. But I, I ignored God. Because I was thinking about the profit. There was a lot of money I was going to make. So I put an extra 15000 so I had $25,000. By the time they completed the building, the value of the building has dropped. It was during the crisis in the United States, housing crisis. 
I could not now go ahead with the transaction. They refused to give me the 25000 I couldn't blame God because I knew God said, don't do this thing. Go and collect your 10000 back. Go and collect it. In the stock market, I lost a lot of money in the stock market some years ago. I know I'm not the only one. I woke up that morning. God says, sell your stocks. Sell stocks. I bind that spirit of the devil. Because at that time, every day, you can sit down in front of the thing like this. We'll sit down those days in front of the computer. You will see the stock continuously rising. God says, sell this stock. I obeyed partially. I sold a particular stock because I had borrowed money. So I just sold that stock so that I can pay off the debt. In a week, and people who, people, some people might understand what I'm saying. In a week, the thing was tumbling down like this. I lost millions. It's not that God does not want to speak to us. It's only that our hearts don't want to hear what he's saying. We are drawn by our own selfish agenda. We are drawn by our own avarice. We are drawn by so many things. So many things make us make wrong choices. When I was looking at that money, I didn't even get the money. I went into a negative. I lost so much money. It was too much money. But God reminded me, I told you, so don't spend vigil here. You will never get that money back. You won't get it back. You're not laughing at me. I know you're laughing at yourself because... Some of you understand that there were things and decisions that you made. Listen, people make decisions in their marriages. God told you, don't marry that man. If I don't marry this man, who else will I marry? You give every reason. All of a sudden, you marry the man, the man turns into a monster. You are wondering why. Now you are praying, your prayer requests every day, but you know that God told you, not this one. He showed you everything but you ignored it. I want to close by saying, don't run other people's word. Please. Because when you run other people's word, you don't know the race God has enlisted you on. So run the race that he has enlisted you on. Listen to what I'm about to say. Because he gives grace for the race he has enlisted you on. He gives grace. For the race he enlisted you on. Some people are just going to run 50 yards or 100 meters. Some people are just going to run 200. Some people one mile. Some people 400 meters. You run the race you have been enlisted on. I end with Genesis chapter 7. Genesis 7. Verse 14. Are you getting something out of this? Huh? If you understand what I've said to you today, go and meditate upon it. I will definitely see you at the top. I'm not, I'm not just saying it. I know. I've used it. So it's not that what I think about. What I know. Let's look at this passage. Genesis 7. They and every
every beast after his kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing, everybody say every creeping thing, that creeps on the heart after his kind, and every bird after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all the flesh in his bread. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, and went in as God has commanded him. Let's read the last thing they said there. And God what? I want you to say it one more time. Please say it one more time. All right. I, I think I'm getting out of time, but let me, let me try and round up. They said, listen to this, and I want us to conjecture this. I, imagine what was going on at that time. They said all of them, the birds went in, all animals, they all went in one by one. The, 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 the lion will have come, ran inside. The leopard, very fast. The cheetah, very fast. All of them, the snake, very fast. All of them were going in into the hack. Run the race that you are enlisted in. All of them were going in one by one, one by one, one by one, one by one. At different strides, at different speed. All of them were going on. One by one, one by one. As they were all going on, here comes the snail. Snail. You know snail. S-N-A-I-L. The snail also was going to go into the hack. The snail was going into the hack. It can be very frustrating if you're a snail and everybody is passing you and you are behind. I can imagine the mind of the snail going in into the hack and looking at the door of the hack and saying within himself, there's a great and effectual door that has been opened to me, but I will make it. And so he's going slowly but surely. Everybody says slowly but surely. It's going slowly but surely. There is a temptation for the snail to look at the cheetah, the way the cheetah ran, and feel that God has not been fair to him. But the snail within itself is saying that if God made me this slow, he will have patience for me. Oh, listen. So the snail is saying within itself that I know it is a long journey, but my strength is as strong as the horn of the unicorn. I will make it. And so it's going slowly, but what? Surely. Everyone is passing him. And he's saying within himself, Lord, I know you are faithful. You are good. You will wait for me. Listen to me. Don't, don't please put that text on the something. The Bible said God shut it. He did not let Noah shut the door. Because men will shut the door against you. But God never shuts door against you. Oh my God. I'm telling you today. The destiny of your life is not in the hands of any man. The destiny of your life is in God's hand. And so the snail kept on going. He was tired. But he kept on going. I can imagine myself as a snail. And the snail, when especially the elephant passed the snail, he blew dust upon the snail. 
The snail recoiled into its shell, but it came back out. It says, I'm going to make it. So, the distractions might come. Challenges might come. But my strength is so strong and so resonant because I know what I have had. God has said, go into the hack. And that's the voice that he has said to me, I am going to do it. It looks difficult. It looks as if I'm not going to make it. But I will stay upon the instructions of the Lord that says, go into the hack. The door of opportunities that God has opened, no man can shut. That's why you must run your race. Because when you look at other people, it becomes difficult for you to run your race. I was married in 1992. I did not have children until, 19, until 2004. And as a pastor, I know what pressure that can be. But I know that my Redeemer liveth. I know that he that has called me is faithful to do what he has said. So, I kept on going. In 2004, I did not have one. I had two. Do you know why? Because I know what he has said. When everybody was having children like rabbits, it can put pressure upon you. But I know the race, and I know who has called me, that he is faithful to fulfill what he has said. The snail kept on going. The snail was tired, but he says, I'm not going to give up. Many people give up because they are running other people's race. He gives grace for the race he has enlisted you into. Listen, when he was going to get into the hack, I can imagine the sledge, the ledge that goes into the hack. As he was getting on that thing, he said, I'm nearly there. I'm close to it. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I'm going. But I'm closer to where I'm going than where I used to be. Because every step towards destiny is achieving destiny. Every step, you're getting closer to it. I can imagine everybody was already in the hack. They were telling Noah, close this door, let us go. But Noah cannot close the door that God has opened. No man can close the door that God has opened. He opens the door, no man can shut. And so, he's looking at it. All eyes were concentrated. Now at the door, that the snail was coming. When other animals came in, nobody noticed them. When snail came in, everybody noticed it. Oh, you'll get, that, you'll get that one on Wednesday morning when you wake up. Because there are times, there are times when we look at life and we feel that we have missed out on life. But we have not missed out. You know why? Because when the snail finally entered the act, everybody got up and clapped for him. They celebrated his entrance. Other people, when they came in, nobody noticed, nobody celebrated their entrance. But because it seems to have been the last one, all eyes were focused upon him. After he entered, the Lord shut the door. Listen to me. Don't run anybody's ways. Don't say the opportunity is going to close. If God has spoken to you, do what God has said. Is it tough? Yes. Is it difficult? Yes. But he is the only one who can shut the door. Man cannot shut the door. I know exactly what I am saying. You want to get to the top? You want to make it? Get God's living. 
Heaven is excited when the children of heaven, when they make it. God does not dangle carrot before us. He does not promise what he cannot give to us. Whatever he promises, he can do. It's not a man that he should lie. There's no reason for God to get you excited for nothing. It's not an African God. It does not get you excited for nothing. If it gets you excited about something, he wants to do it. But can you wait upon him? Can you wait for him? Can you hear him? Can you take his leading? Can you take his direction? Can he tell you things to do? And you say, Master, speak. For thy servant, speak. Let me tell you this. What separates the boys from the men is the ability to hear God. I am telling you, there's a place people gather. Millions of people gather. You know why they gather in that place? They gather because they believe the man hears God. There is no exclusivity to God. You get that one on Thursday morning. Every one of us. That's why he says, come boldly. You know why he said come boldly? Because before, he said, come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy. You know why he said so? Because in the past, when the priest is going into the holy of holies, he's going with fear and trepidation, not knowing whether he will come out. So he says, don't go come here with fear and trepidation. Come boldly. Why is it that? Because now we are in God's children. We are God's children. He died for us. If we can give Jesus for us, I'm out of time. I'm not out of message. That's what I heard. Listen. I've come to challenge you today. The series you are in is victory. One of the greatest victory in a war situation is the ability to know what your enemy is planning. That's what I've come to compliment my own. And the only one who can let you know, like Elijah sat in his house, he knew what was being discussed in the house of the king. There is a God who can tell you everything. The strategy of the enemy. He can tell you what will happen tomorrow. He can tell you what is going to happen in five years. That's why we call him the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the end from the beginning. That's one of the things that separates us. I'm challenging you today. Ask him, what is the point in God speaking to you and you not doing it? God's words must not return to him void. It must accomplish that which he has been set forth. If God knows you are not going to obey it, he says it today, tomorrow you don't obey. That's why you have stopped hearing God. You have to tell God one more time. From now on, master speak for the servant hearings. Once have you spoken twice have I heard the power belongs to you and because I know the power belongs to you I'm going to do what you have said. That's what we need to go and do. Let's hear it. This is what separates boys from the men. This is what makes some men of God look greater. No one is greater. Everybody born of a woman we are the same. But they just spend time to hear God. You can do exactly the same. It's not exclusive to anybody. Every one of us, we are children of God. Father Lord, we thank you. We give you all of the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I do not know if there is somebody here who wants to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's the first step. It's the first step, really, for you to hear him. 
Because you can't hear him. You can't even know his voice until you accept him and he becomes your father. It no matter how dark this place is, if my daughters come in here and they can hear my voice here, they walk towards my voice. And all of a sudden, the fear is gone because they know their father is here. Listen, you can make him your father too. Are you here today? Can you show by raising up your hand? I want to pray with you. I want to accept him as my father. Can you show by raising up your hand? I want to pray with you. I did this some years ago. It's not anything for anybody to be shy about. I did this. I never regretted it. Is there anybody? All right, thank you, my brother. Is there any other person? Any other person? Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Is there any other person? I can see your hand. I can see your hand. Is there any other person? Don't leave this place without salvation. This is not calling you to join the church. This is calling you for a relationship with him. Father Lord, we thank you. Let them forget my own. Let them remember yours. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want, I want to do something. And I told the pastor that, you know, God has blessed me tremendously. I'm not, I'm not a, a multi-millionaire, but I'm very comfortable. And also, I'm a businessman. I want to say this to you, that I tight myself out of my tight situation. I tight myself out of my tight situation. I paid my tithes. And um, things that were dead came alive. You know, there is a part there because time is over now. There's something that is said in the book of Malachi. Talks about abortion. That Malachi chapter 3, when we, when we read it from, about from verse 5. This is one of the things that tithe does is that it stops abortion. Abortion is not only when you are trying to give back to a child, it means that you start something and it dies. I got a key to this. And when I got the key to this, I became very comfortable in life. When businesses were dull and crushing for everybody, and people were saying, there's no business, God always provides business. Because I do not tight my own self alone, I tight my company. I have no reason. I'm not trying to impress you. I have a church where I preach. So I'm not looking for a place to preach. I'm telling you the truth. The doors that were opened unto me is amazing. So I feel that when a Christian does not tithe, he tells us, you don't tell me you love God. Why is tithe showing that you love God? Because money is a denomination for your life. Whatever you are paid, they say that's what you are worth, whether you like it or not. The salary they pay you, the man that pays you says this is what you are worth. The fact that you took it means that's what you are worth. That's it. So, the ability to say, I trust God, is the ability to say, out of what I am worth, I am giving to you. That's it. The ability not to give to him tells you that your worth is for yourself. And if you are worth something with him, he's the one that, that continuously promotes you onto the ladder. 
I don't know whether I just confused you. Your money, what they pay you, is what shows your worth. When you give to him, out of what they say you are worth, then you can go back to him and say, God, I am worth more than this. But because you can trust him with the percentage of it, then you have a right to say, I'm worth more than this. Lord, put me to where I am worth. And then he can give to you. Listen, listen to what he said. He said they said, should we pay tithe or should we give, um, pay taxes? He said one thing. He said, give one to Caesar. What is Caesar? He says, whose, whose superscription is on this? They said, Caesar. He said, then give that to Caesar. But he said something. Give to the Lord. What is the Lord? Listen, God does not print money. But he says, give to the Lord. What is the Lord? The way money becomes the Lord's own is when we take it from Caesar and we bring it to church. We are now saying, Lord, it used to be belong to Caesar. But now, it has become yours. Since God does not print money, it's Caesar that prints money. Are you getting what I'm saying? Huh? Give unto Caesar what is Caesar. Give unto the Lord what is the Lord. The Lord does not print money. Caesar prints money. Caesar means government. So, every day, five days a week, we go into a battle with Caesar and get from Caesar. And then when we come on a Sunday, we give it to the Lord. Then it becomes the Lord's soul. Then it can be used for God's work. It can be used for the propagation of the gospel. Establishment of his kingdom here on earth. And so, most people don't understand this. That this thing, it gives us the enablement to take it away from Caesar and bring it so that it can become the Lord's own. It says, you stay in your sealed house, in the book of Haggai, while the house of the Lord lieth in waste. How does the house of the Lord not lie in waste? When we bring it and take it from Caesar, and when we make it the Lord's own. Let's bow down our heads. Listen to me. Today, you want to say, everything I have is the Lord's own. I've taken it away from Caesar. And I know one thing will happen. God, you will help me. But that which is Caesar, I want to take it from Caesar and make it to belong to the Lord. God bless you.